Hello and welcome to the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, analysis, all passion, all derby. Some decisions are black and white. Let's get stuck in. everybody and welcome to another episode of the Rams Review podcast with me and Corey. Corey, hope you're doing well. I am Jason, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right, I'm all right. Pos- positivity, positivity today. Yeah, um, well that's a change. For, for a change, yeah, definitely yeah. for a change. Big um, week, and- big, week uh, big week for uh, for me and you as we've got a couple preview podcasts, bonus podcast out. We've got a game on Wednesday against Queen's Park Rangers and there's a little old election taking place on my side of the pond, which is getting everybody in a tizzy. Yeah, well, absolutely. There's plenty going on in this country, as uh, most people will be aware. But joining us today from the QPR vlogger, DJ Ranger. DJ, how are we doing? Not too bad, Jason. How are you doing? How are you doing, Corey? Nice to meet you guys. Yeah, pleasure, DJ. Thanks for joining us, mate. No problem, no problem. Yeah, looking forward, uh, looking forward to the chat. Um, of course, I think, I think it's fair to say, DJ, that um, a certain... Bit of needle between Derby and QPR has uh, has happened over the last, obviously four or five years from that from that faithful day at Wembley. Um, yeah, well, um, looking back at it now, I mean, obviously, I'd still take the day, but our financial predicament we're in now, because obviously where we did go up to the Premier League, hasn't helped us out. But you know, on the day itself. I would have took the result, no problem. But um, uh, of course, yeah, I, I, I certainly wish. <laughs> I certainly wish it had gone the other way around. Well, I mean, you know, but and you know, it's um, it's one of those things. Unfortunately, it's, it's it, it must have been well gutting for the Derby fans, but obviously for us, you know, and vice versa. I'm sure you've been the same. Um, that's football, isn't it? As you know yourselves, it's uh, it's a crazy game. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I've seen Derby be on the wrong end more more often than not uh, at Wembley, which is which is a bit of a shame, but. Uh, yeah, in fact, I've been to Wembley four times, and the only one that I missed was the year that we actually won and went up. So, okay. I'm, I'm I'm obviously a bad luck omen, clearly. Well, well, I mean, hopefully you'll get some more time there and be on the winning team on the winning side this time. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Who knows? I, I very much doubt it, but uh, especially with hopefully it's against someone else like Chelsea or something like that, possibly. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. So, well. As I say, yeah, I suppose there has been that little bit of extra, extra for this for this fixture over the last five or six years. Um, Going to put it out there in in pretty plain facts. I think it's fair to say, DJ, went from from a QPR perspective, like you've just mentioned there, you went up, you got yourself into some horrendous financial difficulty um, as a subsequent of getting promoted, and then really for the last uh, what will it be? Last four, four or five years, just unable to unable to kickstart anything really um and get yourself back to those back to those heights of, of challenging for for promotion and, and back to the premier league um, very correct i mean you know we 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 got to the premier league obviously after the playoff final win and the the owners then obviously give um money to spend obviously with with mark hughes as well before that because we went up twice and we've been relegated twice within the short amount of time. Um, you know, between Mark Hughes and Redknapp, you know, more so Mark Hughes, I'd say, he spent a lot more money and the players were just there for the money, to be fair. And it's it's been highly um, tabloid in the papers and stuff when Les Ferdinand come there, players were just coming for the money, etc. which looked like it, some of them were. But, you know, as a player's point of view, 
if someone comes to you and says, right, I'm going to give you X and Y amount of money to play, you're going to jump at it. You're going to go. And, you know, unfortunately for QPR, um, it didn't work out. And, you know, you, were, you know, overall, the table doesn't lie. And we, we finished in the bottom three and went down, unfortunately. And as you said, we've, we've struggled ever since. And the club now are operating a different way of trying to bring the youth through, which we've always done to a degree. And go from there, where we, um, you know, obviously sell them on, which we, we were always a selling club. Um, some of our fans, I think, are a bit um, tunnel vision in the sense of, because we've been in the Premier League a couple of times in the last 20 years or so, wherever it is, I can't remember off, off the top of my head, um, that they expect to be there. Kind of when uh, That's far from the truth. Yeah, of course, every family wants their team to be in the Premier League, but it's how you operate and why you're there and trying to stay there. I mean, you know, you've only got to look at Bournemouth. Small club, all right, they've come down, but they, they've had a good few seasons there. I don't know how many it was in total, but you know, whether they can get back there again is another thing. It's, it's, it's having that even balance of getting the right players in for your team and you know, having a good work ethic like, like most fans want in their teams, I suppose. So, yeah, yeah. We, have, we have struggled a lot. Um, you know, more so at the wrong end of the table. And, and yeah, I think this season again will struggle again because our side's been weakened through the sale, well, not having, keeping certain players and selling, like, Eze, for, for prime example. I know one player doesn't make the whole team, but he he was a big factor for us last season and half season before that kind of thing. You know, he, he stepped up. Yeah, I th- I th- and anything, anytime you heard anything newsworthy of, of QPR, Eze's name was always, obviously, yeah. one one that was banded about as... Is doing yeah, the business on the pitch. Last season and a half, I'd say, you know, um, and 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 obviously, you know, but he's gone now. We have to we have to make do with it. We have got a good deal for him. Move on. And I think that's the thing. Yeah. What more? What more can you do, though, DJ? You know, I mean, it, it, this thing, this kind of thing happens. I mean, obviously, in all fairness, since that player final, Derby kind of did this, did a similar thing to what QPR did. But without being in the Premier League, trying to do, you know, they, they didn't get that season in the Premier League. We went out there after that playoff final, tried to spend big, tried to put that final missing piece of the jigsaw puzzle into a squad that, in all fairness, was was one of the strongest in the division at the time. And it, it's just completely backfired on us. We've wasted probably the best part of £100 million over the last three, four years on, on, on money. And then now the chairman... You know, no, the chairman turned around and said, "No, we're not. We're not doing that anymore. We can't afford to do it." Well, exactly. so, you can understand from the from the owner's point of view. Fans get irate and upset and stuff. Thought, oh, you know, why can't we do it? But you know, we spent, we took a gamble, and it's backfired, as you said. Mm. You know, and I'm sure lots of clubs are like that. You know, you've only got to look at the Premier League as well. Like all these clubs are trying to get in the top four, and only four can do it. You know, the rest they're going to spend all this money. I mean, look at Everton, prime example. It's spending all that money. They've got the potential, possibly, but it's whether they can actually break that top four mould. Yeah. No, I think I think that's a fair point. I think Everton's a, a, a fair, it, but it, it, like you say, it's it is a gamble. It's always a gamble trying to trying to compete. In, you know, even in, it, in our division and championship, it's like you know, there's so many clubs there that can actually go up. You know. Oh if, yeah. If you know, if they had the right right kind of squad, and the backing behind them, you know. But a lot of clubs now, like like, like yourself, like us. And other teams, you know, spent big, backfired, and they're they're wary of that. And especially in these con- conditions at the minute we're in as well, you know, yeah. it's tricky. So, uh, 
I think that's something we said the other day, Corey. Actually, wasn't it that you look at the, you look at the championship? I mean, League One to some extent. There's some big, big clubs, big historic clubs in League One. But you look at the championship, and I mean, to be honest with you, there, there is probably the best part of 14 to 16 teams every year that would at the start of the season would go. Yeah, I, I think we've got a chance of promotion. But at the end of the day, only three, only six will ever finish. Obviously, in those playoff playoff positions, and there's ultimately only ever three going to go up. And it's I suppose it is. It's whoever's taken the biggest gamble in some respects. And we, we've seen it work in both ways. We've obviously, we've seen Bournemouth, like you say, they, they did it on a relatively small budget. We've seen Sheffield United do it on a relatively small budget. Um, they obviously haven't started off great this year in the Premier League and stuff like that. Um, and it's got, it must be really difficult. I mean, you know, we, we uh, when was it, Corey, 2007, when we got up through the playoffs, had that disastrous season in the Premier League. And, and, and to some extent, that we're, we're still suffering financially off the back of that 10 30, 15 years ago you know and i mean there was i think it was only about five years ago that we were actually paying some of the loans off still from that premier from that with with ex-players and managers i think yeah. I, I overheard that um like when ian holloway was manager of us you know i overheard we were still paying him off and like some of the players from his time and even before that so you know it's right fans can jump on the bandwagon and say oh we're not doing this but you know, whether we'll get to know the truth of what goes on at a club like in governments and stuff is another thing, which might be won't unless you've got a good source. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think you will, but yeah, <laughs> it would be one of those. But I th- so, Corey, like yourself in America, like with teams with like baseball in American football, I mean, does that is that a similar thing over there? Do clubs spend a lot of money or how does it work in regards? Yeah, so DJ, that's a really interesting question. It's a lot different here because they have like a single entity system, so they're controlled by the... Um, you know, the association Major League Baseball isn't as, you know, like the Premier League, it's an umbrella association with all these clubs and they do a lot of what they call revenue sharing. So, right, NBA gets paid $4 billion for their TV rights and that $4 billion is then, you know, half of it's taken by the, the association and then the other $2 billion gets spread out amongst the, I want to say 30 NBA teams. Yeah, 30 NBA teams. Um, and so you don't really see kind of sometimes – as high levels of debt as what you would in football, but the NBA had a, had a period of time. And I think they've, they've started to get their financial house in order that some of these teams were a lot in debt. And one of the teams that sticks out in mind is the New York Knicks. Um, okay. They were so much in debt. Like they were playing this guy, Latrell Sprewell, who was like, I wouldn't say the quintessential nineties basketball player, but he was really popular in the nineties, but he was like on a lot of money. And he was kind of crap a lot of the time, especially towards the end of his career where he's making these big monies. Um, And what you saw was you saw a shift about, I want to say between five and maybe 10 years ago that what you, what you would event, what you would see is players would hit the free agent market, right? Players would hit the, hit the time and they get paid based off of past performances. Right. So you get someone like um, for instance, QPR terms, Bobby Zamora and Bobby Zamora would turn 30, 31 years old. And then they'd be like, Hey, you've scored all these goals. You've done all this great stuff. We're going to pay you big money for the last few years of your career because you're going to produce. But athletically, he's declining, right? So now they've shifted it and now they start to give the big money to players who are kind of on the upswing in their careers, right? So, you know, you're, 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 you're a lot younger players. Your players who are, you know, 20, 21, 22, 23 years old are going to start getting the big paydays. And then when you get older, your paydays got a lot smaller. And I think in a way, 
football might be going a, a kind of a similar way, but I think they are behind the power curve of the American sports in that way, yeah. Um, I suppose it's like when players get injured quite a lot. Um, you know, clubs, I've surely got to say to them, pay as you play kind of thing, because, you know, unless the contract's already been done. So, like, prime example, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a Jack Wiltshire always used to get injured quite a lot in general for whoever he's played for. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, if he's on, like, X and Y amount a week, then... You know, when it comes to renew his contract and he has, he's hardly played, then surely the club or a club now got to say to that player, right, we're going to reduce your wages because you're hardly playing for us as such. Whether the player likes it, but, you know, it's financially, it's got to be better for the team overall. And, you know, the player's got to realise that as well. You know, I'm half injured the season. And it's no good, you know, I'm getting, right, if that was us, we're going to rub our hands saying, yeah, great, I'm going to get paid all his money and I'm half injured all the time kind of thing. Yeah, I think, you know, definitely you're going to have to look at the way contracts are written in the future. And Jason and myself have talked about this on previous podcasts that we wouldn't be surprised now to see a COVID clause put in because obviously a lot of players had to be furloughed and have take pay deferrals and it was a big thing for them. Oh, well, you know, what if I take my pay deferral? It's like, well, if the club goes bust, you won't be getting any money. So, you know, and I can't blame the players. Like you say, the players are offered a wage and they take it. And all three of us sitting right here would probably leave our companies or our businesses or our things if they said, hey, you can get more money down the street. You can get 30000 a week if you go this business or this business. You know, we'd be walking out the door, wouldn't we? I mean, that's just the nature of the thing. Money talks, and, and a footballing career is a really short career to have. You know, I mean, these, these lads dedicate their lives to, to play, and they probably have maybe a 15-year earning window, and maybe five or six of that's at the top level where they're at the real peak of their career. So – you can't really blame them for going out there and trying to get paid and, and, we do, and whatever. We do, we do, we, let's be honest. If so, the jobs that we do, if someone comes in and goes, well, I'm going to give you quadruple money, okay, it might be the other end of the country. But overall, if you weigh up the pros and the cons of like, you know, the job, the area, what, what you're doing, nine times out of 10 people are going to go for it. Yeah. And to that DJ, you know, a lot of it is, a lot of it is for, for QPR, I would assume as well, you know, not addition to being in addition to being in the Premier League, and no disrespects, QPR is not a as big a club as what one. You know, what I mean, like they're not a massive, massive conglomerate club. We're a small team in general. Like, yeah, know. and but you're having to pay. What you're having to do is, in addition to paying Premier League wages, you're having to pay the London premium as well, because you know you're going to London. So in London, that's a well, I play for a London club. Yeah, you know I mean, like. Millwall's going to have to pay more. QPR is going to have to pay more. Watford's going to have to pay more just because of the area that they live in as well. To be competitive, Brentford's going to have to pay more because they're in the area with other clubs in an expensive area of the country to, to play with. So I think... I suppose it's no different to people buying houses or flats and stuff in areas. Certain areas are going to be more dear than others. You know, you know yeah. if you can afford it, that's your choice. But, you know, you know for a fact that you're going to be paying that premium, as you said. No different. And so... I think for me, the, the, the thing that sticks out, Jason, is I don't know if you watched this. I'm sure DJ did. Um, there was a BBC documentary, what, maybe five, six years ago now, called The Four-Year Plan oh, yeah, yeah. with uh, <laughs> Tony Fernandez, and he had this grand plan of yeah. – like, those things are always fun to watch, and then they're always fun to watch like five or six years later when you go, eh, didn't quite work out. And he was like – and I remember he was in there, and he was in the dining room, and he was like – We've got to get cheaper napkins. We're, we're paying too much money on napkins. We have to get cheaper napkins. We have to get cheaper flatware. Like we can't, we can't be having this stuff. And he was trying to pay a premium 
for stuff and then try to do it like, let's get a cheaper cut of beef. They won't know. We'll still charge them 50 quid, but whatever. And so, you know, that kind of leads me to my question, DJ, because I don't know this. Um, Tony Fernandez, is he still in charge of, of QPR? We're at the club, um, but he's taken a back seat for some reason. He's um, we've got a guy who's on the board, Amit Bat- Batia, who's kind of the front face of the the board nowadays, kind of thing. Leslie's obviously there as well, but you know, Tony Fernandez is still there. He's still allegedly the official chairman, but Amit's more of the face of the chairman side of things now. Yes. So I mean, sorry, Jason, go ahead. No, no, no. Go. You go. I mean, it must be the, – the, the sale of Eze, DJ, must have put QPR – I mean, that $20 million that they got for him. I mean, obviously, Eze was an amazing talent, and obviously they would have loved to have kept him, I would assume, you know, because he's – I wouldn't say he's a generational talent, but he's pretty close to it in terms of the skill yeah. that he brought in the championship. I mean, but, from QPR fan point of view, he was, he was good for the season and a half because he went out on loan prior to that, and he was, he was turned down at Arsenal, Millwall. He went on loan to Wickham. Um, done pretty well there allegedly at league below it in the championship obviously um, you know come back and then I think Holloway starts playing I, th- I think he did get injured in the report. here we go again because like the potential of this so-called player etc and then he, he just started doing it and then you know from there you know you could see the potential in him and it's a gamble for any club to buy uh, a young player who's not proven, proven you know in the Premier League as such I'm not saying you can't do it in the Premier League and by all accounts, he's hardly played for Crystal Palace yet, but maybe they're just building him up, you know, getting him used to the Premier League as such. Whereas in the Championship, he, he was a game changer for us. You know, not every game, but a lot of the games, he was he was heavily involved. He was one of our, if not our keyest player in the, in our team at the time. Um, so, yeah, he, he's a big loss, but it, it, we, we didn't pay anything for him. He come from, I think we... It was more or less going to go out of the game by the counts. Um, so we, uh, as far as I'm, we didn't pay anything for him, we made £20 million on him. So I think that's how the club are going to be operating for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I was just saying, I think that's a really smart business move. I mean, obviously, you never want to sell a talented player, but at the same time, Eze is not the only player that can drag QPR back to the Premier League. And so that £20 million that you get for that one player, is you're allow, you, it allows the club to put some into the coffers ensure the long-term stability and then still maybe have 10 or 15 million left over to buy three or four players that are going to have a better chance of trying to shoot QPR back up to the promised land. Oh yeah. I mean, like we, we have bought in some players, some are free transfer, some are like, um, I think the striker we got from Scotland for about a million plus or two million pounds. I can't remember the actual figures now. I mean, at the present, you know, they're not world beaters, but then, you know, it's time will, time will tell. It's like any team, like getting new players into a squad. I mean, you know, fans are, Raging, obviously, until yesterday, we had one in like eight games or something. We beat Forest at home on the opening day of the season. It was like, oh, we, we had a couple of draws, a few draws, etc. Um, maybe should have won them, but we didn't. Obviously, you know, you've got to put your chances away. Um, but, you know, the team's been weakened because we lost as a Jordan Hugel went to Norwich, which he wasn't on, wasn't one of our players anyway, had him on loan. Naki World went to Bristol City, but we couldn't afford them. Their wages alone was like, you know, and if the club are going to be operating this way, then we, we have to expect cheap deals, inexperienced young players coming through. And if that's how the club are going to work because of what's happened in past tense, then it, we have to take the hard with, with the smooth, as I say. I think one of the things you see now, Corey, as well, it's like it's not so much just one or two 
players get you out of this division anymore. You've actually got to really have solid seven, eight, maybe even nine. I mean, you look at that. You look at that lead side that went up. I appreciate it took them a couple of years to build it. But you look at that lead side, and you know there was there wasn't there wasn't many players from that team that wouldn't slot into any other championship club. Oh no, I mean things like that. You know, so it, I don't think it is just a. I, th- I think the, the teams that kind of do rely on one or two and get up, they're the ones who tend to struggle. I mean, look at Fulham. You know, Fulham really, realistically, have only got probably. And you probably might like this answer, DJ, with them being with them being local. But two, two or three, um, two or three players there that clearly can't perform week in week out on a uh, on the Premier League stage like they could in the Championship. I mean, Mitrovic for some reasons just not got the form in the in the Premier League this year for for some strange reason. Well, yeah, and, now, now, as you said, Jason, whether it's you need more than just one or two key players, you need a, more or less a whole team doing it. So then, DJ, obviously, as you say. Eze, probably probably the main one of the main men to leave QPR uh, in the transfer window. Um, the tra- transfer window as a whole for QPR, um, how do you think it went? I think overall, I mean, obviously, time will tell. We, we um, I think we've done some some good business. Um, you know, obviously, unfortunately, we we got we got rid of Eze, but you know, at during this mad times that we're having at present worldwide, you know, that money might financially help us a little bit. And obviously, we've brought some other players in, you know, younger, less, you know, uh, League One players, players from Scotland, etc. Uh, Tom Carroll, you know, we brought back when we, we've had him before. He was at Tottenham previously and stuff. Um, you know, I think they've done well in, in, in the sense overall. But now it's just a matter of bedding them new players into the squad with the rest and hopefully kick on and kind of head towards the, the right end of the table as such. When you've obviously, as you say, you've, you've seen seen some change. What's your opinion, uh, and then uh, more probably a, a fan-wide opinion, with, with what you've brought in? Do you think QPR have done enough to compete at that higher, higher level for probably the first time in in a few years? Um, maybe probably not. I think it, you know if we stay up, because I think we were meant to be one of the favourites to go down again this season, possibly. Um, I on our day, like any other team in that division, we can beat anybody. But then, you know, it's actually doing it on a regular basis because then then you'll stand a chance of going up, as you know. Um, it's it's going to be a what's-his-space one with the players that we've brought in because, obviously, they're, they're younger. I'm not saying they can't do it, but, you know, there's more experienced teams out there in the division, more experienced players. Um, so it's, it's, I think it'll be another tough call this season for us. Um, we finished, I think, 13th last season, which I think even that we overachieved in, in, in some degree. I mean, I know we had Eze and then Bright Samuel was playing well as well at the time and another player called Ilias Chair that we had. Um, them two are still there at present. Um, so we, we had a bit of a nucleus, as you were saying back there in the previous chat, about having more than just one play. We had three or four possibly. And then obviously with the likes of Wells and Hugo as well, kind of thing. But obviously they're no longer with us. So, as I said, the team's been weakened through the players through possibly... We couldn't afford them, so we have to make do with what the club are operating on now. So I'm not holding out. I think if we do, if we manage to in the upper echelons of the championship, then great. But I think more so would be about staying up again. To be fair, I think when you look at it, Corey and DJ, you probably agreed. Like unfortunately, for some some respects, those those players that have gone big goal threats, 
scored yeah. lots of goals, plenty of creation. Um, obviously, we've as as, a, as Derby have lost a couple this season of our younger talents to to Sheffield United, but they were both defensive, um, and actually we've managed to replace them with internal youth or brought somebody in on the cheap and in all fairness probably performing better than the youngsters did so you know we, we've we've kind of striked it lucky but I mean we we know that we did lose Chris Martin um as, as a goal threat you know he was 12 12 goals plus last season probably created another another seven or eight you know you take that out of your team it's obviously going to going to make you worse um who who's who's kind of the one that you look to to get the goals at the moment then uh, DJ oh. Well, we've actually been struggling of recent, believe it or not. We hadn't scored for like four games on the road until yesterday, result against Cardiff. And even that, we nearly threw away. Um, you now, if it wasn't for the, the last minute uh, long range shot from Don Ball, um, it, it's a bit of a concern because obviously it'd be more of a concern if we weren't kind of creating chances, but we, we were creating half chances, but then nothing was coming of them as such. So, you know, we're kind of still creating chances to a degree, but we're not putting them away. And that's why we're getting punished. Like any other team will be getting punished. I mean, no matter what level you're at, don't score goals, you don't win games. Absolutely. And Corey, it's, it sounds like a, a broken record from what we've, what we've seen from Derby so far this season. DJ, are you sure you've not been watching Derby games and not QPR uh, yeah. games? <laughs> yeah. We've been exactly the same. Um, honestly, I, I mean, you know, it's, you know, I'm sure it's the same with most clubs in the division for the exception of the ones who do are at the bottom and at the top, you know, obviously they're there for reasons, of, of course, you know. The rest, the in-betweens, you know, as I say, there's, I don't know how many, out of them, 23, four clubs in that in our division, whether any, all of them could actually go on a good run and get promoted to the Premier League or whether you think guaranteed every season, like there's a guaranteed 10 or 12 teams in that division that, you know, they put a run together, that they'll get promoted, you know, over the course of the season. But every every fan hopes for that, don't they? To be fair, I mean, even I suppose look at Wickham, and I know Sheffield Wednesday are bottom at present because of their points deduction thing. But Wickham have come up, you know, and at the minute I think they're in the bottom three at present. But you know, it's only eight games, nine games gone, so still a way to go. And um, I just hope that you know we can get the goals to kind of see us safe in the division as such, uh, Jason. And, and Corey. I, I, DJ, I, I want to touch on a player that was brought in with, I would assume, the Eze money that looked like um, could help fill this goal-scoring gap for QPR because I know Darby were kind of linked to him earlier in the summer and, and kind of throughout the tail end after lockdown was um, the Livingston striker, uh, Landon Dykes. Uh, obviously, ended up at QPR. I think, like you said, it was a million, couple million pound, um, bit of a punt there. 24 years old. He's just made the Scotland squads. Um, in yeah. the recent internationals and everything like that. And I believe that he started he started his QPR career pretty well, scoring a few goals. So, you know, why have they dried up for him? Yeah, he um, he did start. He got two and two, but they were both penalties as such. Um, and then obviously with Scotland, as you say, he, he, he made the Scotland squad. And I think he actually scored for them as well a couple of times since he started playing for them. Now, goals have dried up, um, which is a concern, obviously, because, you know, if, if – you know, because we don't have Hugo anymore, we don't have Naki Wells anymore. They're proven goal scorers in the division, and they'll—I think—they'll jump into any team in the championship. To be fair, no matter no matter who it was, um, uh, even more the top sides as well out of the so-called. You know, if you class the better teams in the division than the lesser teams, um, yeah, he's he's not scored, but he he puts his work in. I give him his due. He's he's, he's a bit of a, a rough and tough player as well. 
but it's gold. You want gold from him as well, kind of thing, you know. Um, or more players within the team, as Jason stated earlier on, you need, you know, like ideally every team wants five, six players from the team scoring goals. You know, even if some of your defenders chipping in with four or five goals a season, you know, as well as your strikers, obviously. But being a striker, um, he hasn't really scored as much, but he's putting some work rate in, which I suppose could make up for that. But then who's going to score the goals? That's Another player that was linked heavily with Derby County um, from January onward was the center half Rob Dickey from Oxford United. And obviously, again, QPR beat Derby to the punch to get Rob Dickey. Um, how is he? How has he moved with his uh, step up to the championship? And is he is he a key player for you guys? He's, he's had a bit of an indifferent start, I think. He he um, he's come from League One, as you know, and it's a step up. And he he's played well in some games, and other games you can tell he's he's a League One player. Um, now, you know, you, you've got to do your own bit on the pitch, like like any any other player. You can't rely, you know, cover etc. And I find he keeps tugging at players a lot. And he's been booked and he's been sent off. He got sent off against Barsley midweek. Um, stupid challenge. But then again, I suppose you've got to look at as well where the challenge has come from. You know, we give the ball away on the halfway line cheaply. They create the pass. The player got the wrong side of Dickey. Uh, initially before that, um, Barbet and another one of our defenders crashed the ball against Dickey's face. That fell into the path of their striker, who then Dickey then pulled back get the penalty where he got sent off. So it's a mixture of combination of things. But initially, QPR fans will blame Dickie for that because that's where initial, you know, the last bit of the action was the penalty and the action bringing him down by tagging on him. So it's it's a it's a learning curve for Dickie, as I suppose, well as Dykes and any other player who comes from either lower league or another division, like from another country, like in Scotland or whatever. You know, the championship is a tough division, as we all know. Um, you know, and the step up if you're coming from lower leagues, then it's going to be even, even harder. I suppose, like going from the championship up to the Premier League, you know, and that's proven with Eze so far. I don't think he's played that much of Crystal Palace, but he may get his time soon. I don't know. I can't say. It's, it's um, it's a what's his space one with these players, I suppose, and just hope that they, they do well. In there, one more player, I want to get you. Didn't we? Sorry, Corey, to cut you off. We we saw that with with a player that we brought in in the summer. Um, signed him on a pre-contract in January from from Holland. Expected we we had massive problems at centre half last last season. Everybody he was in and around the club. He was training with the team. He was going to be the the piece of the jigsaw that we needed. He even and, got the nickname of Virgil Van Mike. Yeah, he did. We we thought he was going to be the savior. Uh, he came in. He played absolute rubbish for, in the first three games. Got sent off in one of them. And then he wasn't back in the side for, for six games. And you just, you just think to yourself, okay. So like you say, it's always a gamble bringing players from who haven't been brought up in the championship. Um, I mean, look, look how many Premier League players who drop into the, into the championship and don't necessarily fill themselves full of glory all the time. It is, it is one of the hardest divisions, you know, physically, mentally to play in. I mean, I don't know what Rooney's been like since he's come to your club, like as a player. I know like there's talk of him possibly being manager soon, etc. But that's all media hype. But you know, obviously big name player from back in the day, United, Everton. You know, come to the championship. But obviously, if he's doing his coaching stuff, and like Lampard was at Derby as well. You know, um, whether it's a stepping stone for players then to go on to 
so-called bigger clubs or not, or just cut their teeth at championship level and get the, you know, the, the knowledge behind them, you know what I mean? And then, if they're successful with that team, then move on as such. I think I mean, that, that was expected because it was well liked at Chelsea, obviously, and it is a gamble because he's, he's new to management. Yeah, that's it. I mean, for me, just on that point alone, and then Corey, I'm sure you'll you'll you can put your opinion in. I mean, some fans probably wouldn't necessarily like the thought of using the club as a stepping stone. Yeah. But from my opinion, I mean, it was pretty obvious Frank Lampard was going to come in. We said it at the time, Corey. There was no way that he was staying at Derby for three or four years. As soon as Chelsea came knocking, if if they indeed ever did come knocking, he was going to go straight away. And it's the same thing with Rooney. He's come in, he's given us something on the pitch. I wouldn't necessarily say, he's certainly not Wayne Rooney from five years ago. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I think it's probably what he brings off the field as well in terms of mer- commercial um, and experience and, and all that kind of thing. And I, for me, if they want to bring in that calibre of person into, into the club and they want to use him as stepping stone, I don't necessarily have an issue with that as long as they... They offer something whilst whilst they're with the club. Frank Lampard for twelve months gave Derby many highs and lows. For, you know, we we will all ultimately look at that season and go, he possibly failed to do what he was brought in to do, which was to get us promoted. But what we got along the way, with obviously a good cup run, wins at United, you know, nearly knocking Chelsea out of the cup, and ultimately losing a playoff final. Yeah, and, and some of the players that he was able to attract to bring in, and we got to see them, see Mason Mount and Harry Wilson, and you know those type of players that have obviously gone on. Well, certainly a couple of Mason Mount is is a is an England player now. You know what I mean? From and he was in the Derby side eighteen months ago. So you know if they're going to bring something like that, and it gives a benefit to the club at the time and in the long term as well, it still it will still be known five years down the line that Frank Lampard managed Derby County. So any fan of Frank Lampard will take an interest in, in Derby County. So that kind of, any, anything like that, if it's going to be a, a, for a positive for the club, I haven't got an issue with it. Some fans wouldn't, but I, I don't have an issue with it personally. The other, thing, the other thing to that, Jason, DJ, the thing, the big news from Derby this week was um, a reported takeover from uh, Sheikh Khalid from, uh, who previously tried to buy Liverpool and Newcastle. And um, we were kind of thinking, well, this is a bit weird. Why is this guy from uh, the Emirates trying to purchase little old Derby County, but it's because of the profile being raised by Frank Lampard and Wayne Rooney. You know, that's what's allowed um, Derby to take those next steps. The 32 red sponsorships come in, having the star player clause to pay for Rooney and those kind of things and increasing the brand. I mean, we saw it after, what, January when Rooney came in, Jason? I think most Derby games were on Sky. Yeah. um, Because of just who Wayne Rooney is. You know, you get a cup game against Manchester United, it's going to sell out, you know. Wayne Rooney is a draw, and, and I think that kind of grows the club in a way. And, and while Derby can't reach the promised land, it have been struggling, thanks mostly in part to Bobby Zamora, uh, for the last uh, seven or eight years. It's it's one of these things that the profile, like Jason said, the profile is being raised of the club, so it helps. Yeah, hopefully, exactly. it help. It doesn't only help recruit uh, finance wise, but it helps recruitment wise because players are going to say, "I want to play with Wayne Rooney." So, yeah. you know, that's that's probably one of the big things as well. As Jason pointed out there earlier about with Rooney, he's, he's done little bits and bobs on the pitch for yourself, but as off the pitch, and yourself, Corey, commercial, and like bringing the club up, you know, the brand of the club, etc., and so forth. And then, as you say, with Lampard as well, like players have gone there, and they've done all right there, or done, you know, within reason, they, they've raised the club's profile more. 
And that's yeah. what every club, I mean, we had it with the idiots, the, the Italian owner, Briatore, and Eccleston. It was like they're trying to make our club something which we never would be, like a boutique club. They'd have all the famous people come down. Bloody shit. It, it's like, sorry for my language, but it's, it's not us. It's not, you know, you know, we're not a mass supported club. We're not, you know, compared to like the likes of Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, bigger clubs in London than us. You know what I mean? It's like, that doesn't feel about us. Yeah, of course, if you want to be in the Premier League, yeah, of course. And get all the, the names, the big name signings, win games, do well in competitions, etc. To get to Europe even better. But, you know, it, they're just trying to make something which we weren't. And it's like a play thing for them. And, but with you guys, you know, as you, you both said, Lampard and Arunia there, they've raised the club's profile. Now with this new owner possibly coming in and some of the players like Mount who have gone there and played and done reasonably well for you guys there. It's um, it's something it can only be good for yourselves, and then with other clubs as well. If they they kind of go down the avenues of bringing these players in, even though it could be a stepping stone as well. Yeah, I think I think one of the things, um, unfortunately, um, is that th there's other parts of the club that have slightly been mismanaged. So, you know, certainly commercial from a commercial point of view, what that should be able to bring in, and obviously with COVID going on at the minute, this affects everybody, and I get all that, but. Yeah any of that extra that was kind of coming in that would have given us that extra 10% than some of the other clubs in the, in the league. We've lost that. We've lost the ability to use that um, because it's been taken away in, unfortunately it's been taken away in other, in other areas, but you look at it, it as if that hadn't have happened, Derby would have been in a terrible financial state. So yeah. it, it's about balance. Obviously it's about weighing it up, but yeah. at the end of the day, you know, you'd, you have to go with what you've got. And um, I mean, if, if this, billionaire takeover happens then you know I don't think you'll find many Derby fans complaining if 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 it um, if they throw a few million at it you know it was the same with us when um Lakshmi Mattel came in like he was worth at the time like 20 30 billion pounds kind of thing it was part of the, the Eccleston and Briatory thing I think there's the three of them together I mean Bright uh, Eccleston, uh, Mattel on his own had more money than Abramovich did kind of thing now I'm sure fans are going mental about oh what can we do and this and that you know but the guy's only got a little stake in the club. You know, he's not, he's a businessman, like most other chairmen are, or unfortunately, you know, it's business. That's, I mean, that's what us fans have to realise. It's as much as they, they want to try and help the club, but they're doing it for their own benefit and backs, if, if it be told. Yeah, absolutely. So, if you can make the club successful, because that means then they get more money, then great. But unfortunately, sometimes, as you said, Jason and Corey, it's mismanaged. And we're a prime example of that. <laughs> Uh, so, talk about the game. Talk about the game Wednesday, Corey. Um, obviously, from a Derby perspective, only one win this season. Still looking for that elusive second win. Performances have got that little bit better. I know, like you've just said, there, DJ QPR won on the first day, and they're not got a win until until Saturday. Which, in in all fairness, pretty decent result against against Cardiff. Um, so it's two teams really that are going in going into the game on certainly similar points, similar position in the table, similar. Similar form. Um, what I would say, I, I suppose, when you look at the last five or six years, um, Derby's not got a bad record against QPR at home. It's normally been at Loftus Road where Derby have come and stuck against QPR, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, we, um, we, last time we beat you at, whether it's Pride Park or Baseball Ground, was 2009, I think, 14. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah I, I, that was on telly, if memories. That was on telly, I remember that. It was like a Friday night game. Yeah. yeah we, We've nicked a couple of draws up there. Now, whether we could have won them, I can't read. Oh, I can't remember yesterday, never mind, five, six years ago or whenever it was as such. Um, 
you know, but you you take a point away from home, like even now is like you know you think, you know, I don't assume that we're gonna you know whether it is be like Bournemouth, like we played really well at Bournemouth away, like they they're flying, they come down, they kept most of their squad, I think, and then you play someone like Barnsley at bottom of the table or, or near his bottom, and we proved it last season. They've done the double over at Barnsley last season, and they're bottom of the table both times. So it's like fans think, oh, we should beat them on paper possibly or like you know more you feel more confident at home because you're at yeah, home yeah. yeah i'm not saying you can't go away to these grounds and win but it's minimum for me i'll, I'll take a point and then obviously at the game if you win it's an extra added bonus as such you know come away, uh, away from home obviously if you get beat you get beat fair and square you, you can't you have to accept that but yeah it's very, I, I agree what you're saying jason and about two similar teams but, and our record ain't great up there so i'm going to go for a draw um I'll take a draw right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've what we now, Corey, on the back of is it four, three draws, four draws in a row, something like that. We 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 don't seem to con- be conceding too many, but we don't seem to be scoring that many either. We played Bournemouth yesterday, down at down at Bournemouth, um, got an early goal in the first ten minutes, and we we look comfortable. Bournemouth didn't really didn't really offer too much until about the last. 20 minutes of the game where they, they just camped in our off. And to be fair, we kind of sat back and, and probably should have... Th- there were signs there that we could have gone at Bournemouth and probably took a second, to be perfectly honest with you. And we, we didn't do it. And elusively, when you when you come up against a, a side of that kind of quality, you can't sit back and defend. You, you just can't sit back and defend and invite them on. And unfortunately, that's what we did. Um, and of course, they ended up scoring with 10 minutes to go. It's a balance. Like, it's, like, we were very similar with Bournemouth. In the opening half, Against them at, at Bing Court or the Vitality Zone, as it's called now. We, we were the better side. And considering, I know they've come down and they've kept most of their squad. It's pretty exceptional. There's Wilson, I think it was, who went to Newcastle and Fraser. But they've kept the core of their squad and they're still a decent side. I mean, but then. They'll be up there, They'll be up there by the end, mate. No, no, no doubt about that. You know, and then we possibly maybe I thought we could have won that game. I mean, they, they didn't really do much. Even in the second half, they, they had the odd shot, but wasn't really testing our keeper as such. But it's a fine balance, isn't it? It's trying to gauge, as you said, like you're winning 1-0 and then you sat back in the second half, wherever it was. It's a dangerous point because you're inviting teams on, especially if they've got the quality as well. That's like, you know, it's, they can switch it just within a couple of minutes as such. You know, um, if you come away with a draw or win, great. You know, it's, um, but it must be frustrating because, you know, you had a chance to win there or, you know, but a point is better than nothing, I suppose, as I say. Yeah, certainly away from home, um, and you know we, we are looking for that elusive second win. We're, we're not won at home yet. Uh, we've not won at home for about five months. Oh, get so, your, your money on Derby tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, sorry. <laughs> yeah, possibly, possibly. I might, I might do a bit myself because I don't, I, I don't hold out for much. And, and with our defensive frailties, where we keep giving penalties away, get your money on a penalty as well. So I think that could possibly happen. There we go. That's where I know my money's going. Corey, what what are your thoughts on the game for for Wednesday? Uh, you know it, it's going to be an, it, it's going to be an interesting one. I think both teams, you know, not really in, not setting the world alight in terms of form. Um, and like you say, Jason, you know, when you go away from home in the championship and you can get a point, uh, that's solid. But for me, I'm forever the optimist, and I'm going to say the Derby will win one nil. You know, I think that's quite a. I think the last certainly up at Pride Park that it's never 
it's never a massive goal fest against QPR it, either way like you say probably or two will certainly would have been the last one and that's that's 12 years ago I think the last few have been one nil or I think we've even had a couple of nil nils in those games haven't they okay well you know I mean you've got me one more than we've drawn obviously you know, from your perspective, it's good for you guys, obviously, the wins. Um, you know, the points from away from home are great for us. But, yeah, been, there hasn't been no goal press as such, which... And I don't know why there's some... I think we've been on the telly quite a bit. And now, whether it's because, obviously, what happened previously, you know, and as you said earlier on about the, the bit of um, rivalry and tension due to possibly that, I'm not sure if there was anything before that, other than the normal rivalry banter and stuff between fans at games and stuff, but... I suppose that's just added to it now because obviously what's happened in previous years. Yeah. The, the only thing that's really strange is there's two QPR games that stick out other than the obvious one for me. And it's just bizarre. And I don't know why they've been floating around in my head. One is QPR played in green shirts against Darby and they had Joey Barton in midfield when John Eustace played out of his skin. Yeah. Uh, and Darby got a win. And the other one is the year, Jason, that Darby had the fluorescent yellow Adidas Bombardier jerseys. Oh, and yeah, like Nathan Ellington scored. And I don't know why I was thinking of Nathan Ellington scoring against QPR. But for some reason, those, those are the two very bizarre QPR games that stick out in my head. It's about the only goal that Nathan Ellington scored for Derby. That's probably, that's probably why it sticks <laughs> in your memory, Glory. Some, some player hasn't scored for donkey's years, whatever. Get them get to score against us because that normally happens with us as well. It's like, it's set in stone, I think, with our... our uh, our club policy or our, you know, how we operate as such. It's like, so if you've got any players you ain't scored for a long time, get your Quite money a few. On. Quite a few. I think we've only scored four goals all season. So uh, yeah. I'm, going, I'm going for 11 nil uh, Wednesday. I'm going to let, I'm going to, even, the, even the keeper can chip in with one if he wants. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, get, get on him as well, mate. You might have stand yeah. off a chance, to be fair. You know, nah, defensive frailties at the minute. I think, I think for me, I think, Obviously, as, we, as we've seen, Corey, because we watch Derby, you know, the performances have got arguably better from the first couple of games where, where we were very short from the game. We were, we, were not on, we were not on song at all. I mean, I think Blackburn beat us 4-0 at home, second, first home game of the season. We were, we were terrible that afternoon. Um, things have got better. They have got better. Still, we're, st- we're still missing something. and I'm not quite sure what that something is at the moment. Uh, we certainly can't seem to put chances away. Uh, I mean, we had three, four good chances yesterday against Bournemouth. And you, you've got to be taking them. It doesn't matter if you're at home. It doesn't matter where you are. You've got to be taking those chances. Um, and we just don't seem to be at this moment in time. So I, I think for me, from a from a score prediction, um, I actually do think Derby have got a good a chance of, of winning Wednesday. Um but I, I, I just, I just can't see a goal fest because it just doesn't look like Derby's got it in him at the minute. And to be honest with you, Deej, from what you've just said, it, it don't look like QPR are coming with all guns blazing either. So I, I think again, a one nil, a two one. I'm going, I'm going to go two one. We can't keep clean sheets either. So uh, I think I'll go for a two one myself. Okay, myself. Um, I mean, obviously, my heart. Obviously, I want us to win. Um, I'll gladly take a draw. I'll, I'll take a, a, a nil-nil draw, one-all draw, because as as you clearly said, Jason and Corey, that it, in most recent games it's not been a goal fest as such. But deep down, I it wouldn't surprise me if Derby win two-one, three-one, something like that. To be fair, um, and then obviously if Rooney's back playing as well, you know, 
if he's pulling the strings for you guys to a certain degree. You know, even the half when you get, I mean, as I say, our, you know, we played well first half yesterday against Cardiff. Um, I mean, that was maybe the best half of the last season, I think, personally. And But then the flip side, second half, we come out and, and just the levels weren't the same. Don't know why, whether uh, Cardiff stepped up, which I'm expecting because, you know, teams must see that, you know, where the other teams' faults are and stuff, surely. And it's yeah. like, defensively, we're conceding penalties left, right and centre. I think that's five in, in all games, if not more so far this season already. That and, is a lot, isn't it? Yes, of course. You know, you guys won't look at it, but for, for us, it's new players bedding in. You know, mm. a solid back line, you know, and I think our left back and right back with the youngsters, they're decent enough, they're inexperienced, but they're, they're doing a job. But it's in the middle where I think our problem is in the middle of the defence. And I think the keeper we've got at the minute, he's done, done okay so far. But yeah, uh, part wants us to win. I'll, I'll take a draw, but I think the Rams will um, subside to a 2-1 win, maybe even a 3-1 win. Uh, you might get a bit of a goal fest, and then that hopefully will kick you on then for the rest of the season until we play down here in London. Is that the first time, Jason, an opposition fans come on the pod and pick Derby to win? Yeah, I think it probably is, actually. I mean, we're not shy of, of calling Derby out if, they, if we don't think they're going to do anything. I said that we'd... I think I said we might sneak a draw yesterday. And in all fairness, I think we actually deserve to win the game. And, and that's the thing. From, from watching Derby, the first three, four games, we were not at the races at all. We, 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 we had Barrow in the League Cup and they outplayed us. You know, and, and we had a pretty we had a pretty strong side out, to be perfectly honest with you. And then something has clicked over the last four games where we look in games now, not for a full 90 minutes, but we do look in the game. And it's in football, it's about taking your chances, isn't it? And we, we just haven't been um, at the right times. We've been nicking a goal. We couldn't score. We've then now started just to get one. And we've, we've been in front in our last three games, but all three have ended up draws. So there's obviously still something about the mentality of that second half of the game that's not quite right from from a, you know a management point of view and, and a tactical point of view. Uh, you're um, saying that you started off not too great, and but things have improved slightly over the last few games and such. Now, is that down to the management or is that down to the players themselves? Do you think? I think it's down to the players, isn't it, Corey? We had we had 40 goals taken out of our side from last year, very similar to, very similar to QPR, and we had five first teamers injured in the first four games, and it's no. It's no surprise, no surprise that since they've come back in, our results have turned around. There's, there's no surprise. And they're still not match fit, technically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those players are made for your, your better players within the squad. And as you said earlier on, Jason, and I'm sure Corey said as well, about it's more than just one or two players in the squad that you rely on. You need the, the core six, seven, or even 11, ideally. But you know that that would never happen. But, you know, you do need a core seven, eight players who are going to be on their game Okay, doing it every game is impossible, but if they did, great, you know. But yeah, it's um, yeah, I'm not looking forward to it, but um, you know, had I would have been game that you know as like I normally do, but mm. the weight game. So um, but yeah, it's um, singing the old chart as we do. But then you guys join in now as well, so you got over that one. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But to be fair, it's, it's not a bad ground. I mean. The new models of grounds these days, I don't like because it's, it's, it's all within the one complex. I mean, and it's it's like it's taken away, like, you know, if we want, I know, like, because I went down to a few years ago, I can't remember what pub, not the Witherspoons or the other one, it was, um, 
as it's about a 20 minute walk from the ground because mm. kind of I think I, at the time I don't think they were letting away fans in the pubs that was close to the home like the stadium but then last season me and my mates got into Frankie and Benny's and we yeah. that way colours but I think you know, if there was more of us then the Matrix wouldn't have let us in but you know we don't wear colours nothing like that um, I do bring a flag to the games but it's always wrapped up kind of thing so um but I was quite surprised to let us in because it's only a short distance of the way and then from Frankie and Benny, which is perfect. Good. Yeah, it's always perfect for you. Yeah. More drinking time, more time to digest the the game, I suppose, and then go from there, really. Um, but yeah, hoping for a draw, but I can't say I don't care. I think you will win. You'll get your goal crest on Wednesday. I, you, oh, well, I, I hope so, DJ. Looking forward to it. Yeah, looking forward to it. So. I tell you one thing, though. Been. I do, I do love a Frankie and Benny's, although it's an American restaurant. There is, there aren't any actually here in America, so that's a bit of a misnomer. But I do love me a Frankie and Benny's, and I do need to relay a Loftus Road story, Jason. You relayed your Vicar Road story the other day, but I do have a story from uh, Loftus Road. Yeah, go. So for I it. was at the Westfield Centre in London um, and thought, okay, you know, QPR is just around the corner, South Africa Road. I'll have a walk. Um, walk down there. Uh, it was starting to get dark and whatever. And then, you know, take pictures and whatever and go into club shop. And so I'm in the club shop and I'm looking around at this QPR stuff. And I'm thinking like, all right, this is pretty cool. And then this guy comes around out of nowhere, just popped out like behind this row of shirts, real creepy like. And he goes, are you American? And I'm like, yeah, man, totally American. And he's like, he just starts singing Frank Sinatra's New York, New York. No context. He just starts singing it in the club shop. And I was like, uh, what are you doing? He's like, oh, Frank Sinatra, great American. I was like, yeah. Could, could you could you not could you not sing I'm, I'm just i'm just trying to look around the store man like I, I don't want any trouble and he's like yeah sure and then he continues to sing while i'm walking around the thing so i buy a little qpr lapel pin to remember my little trip to qpr and i'm at the checkout and i'm thinking this lady i was like i said secondly like this guy come around a lot and she goes uh not really no and then he comes up to me at the checkout and starts singing it again and I was like, I don't know what is going on here, but it needs to stop. And that was my Loftus Road story. <laughs> well, like, that's just nuts. You know, I, 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 I used to travel up and down the country. I've been to Loftus Road two or three times. Um, in fact, I think it's not, it's not as exciting as your story, Corey, but I think, um, I think the first time I, the, the, one of the vivid memories I've got from, from Loftus Road was it was about the, one of the only grounds that I remember where they take the, uh, your beer used to come in a bottle and they used to keep the lids it's really not important but and i was like well, why why do you take my lid he's like well so you don't throw it on the pitch i was like well, okay fair enough um but yeah i mean to that point you said just throw the ago, bottle instead yeah, well, exactly yeah yeah you drink the beer you fill it you fill the bottle up with whatever liquid you you might need at the time and that goes onto the pitch instead it's quite, it's quite mad because obviously in seasons gone by where the waiting team to come because i actually sit near the away fan not for the fact mm. of the banter and stuff even though it's Oh, with the away fans are tucked right under, aren't they? Right under the stand, and the the fans are obviously over the top of you, and yeah, oh, it's intimidating. The ground is tight and compact, and mm. such. I mean, you are quite close to the pitch, even from an away fans up and like if you get both tiers, especially. Um, yeah, I was in the bottom. I'm sure we were in the bottom tier, but it was QPR fans above us when I was there, and I was right under, right yeah. under the stand, and oh, there was all sorts coming over the top. And it's like, you see your way fans, and obviously, like, whether if it's for the goal or a bad decision, you see some fans lobbing the bottles on the pitch. And going back to your point about the cap and stuff yeah. like that, but they're still going to throw it anyway, irrespective of where it's got beer in it or oh, yeah. 
I don't I think I'd rather be hit by a by a bottle cap than an actual bottle. Yeah, so it's quite strange. It's quite strange, I must admit. It's, it's like yeah. you can't have your bottle lid, but you can take the bottle out onto the corner, like wherever I mean I'm not saying that kids are gonna chuck stuff, but because you never know they might do. But you no. you you're reminiscing on the on the trip down to London and to Cuvelco. I remember going to the baseball ground and we actually got a draw and I think we had two debut debutees, um Andy Tilson and Darren Peacock playing for us. But I found your old ground better than your new one. Yeah. It, 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 we've said this many a time, haven't we, Corey? And obviously, Corey, you do get to come over every now and again. I, I've had a season ticket for as long as I can remember, uh, pretty much since Pride Park's been open. Um, and I'm sure and, we can say that about most grounds that have gone from their old grounds to the new yeah, grounds. There is. There, there is something about it. There is something about it that... It, it doesn't feel the same. I think it's probably, I mean, it's, they are starting to build a lot more developments around Pride Park, so it is feeling a little bit more inner city now, but it, it's it's still, it's out of the way. Like you say, you know, their DJ, unless you can, I mean, Frankie Benny's has only been there a couple of years and that kind of thing. When they weren't there, it was, even for home fans, it, you know, getting from the town centre to the grounds, it's a good 10, 15 minutes away. Um, a bit of a strange place to put it, really. And I suppose as well, Jason, Corey, as you know yourself, like, you know, with, with like, raising money for the club and stuff like that, you know, I suppose if they've got bars and stuff within the complex, it's going to be dearer than going to, like, a Witherspoon's pub or a pub outside oh, yeah. in the city centre or in the town centre or wherever. You know, they want the money, obviously, but then, you know, will fans be willing to pay that kind of money? You know, yeah. pay for Corey now coming over from America. Now, I suppose the fact of being near the ground, you can have a beer if you want to have a beer or something to eat and then going to the ground within the complex, great. Unless you want to sample the real home fans and the atmosphere properly, then you go into the city centre or like go to a well-known Derby pub or whatever team the fan supports to get like, you know, the real atmosphere before a game as such and then go into the ground and get even more. Like with, yeah. with the other factor of having away fans in as well, as such as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it is something I can... The baseball ground would have been would have been wonderful for that. Um, but yeah, Pride Park, it, it is a bit of a shot. I think any new style football grounds kind of the same. And I've, I've been to quite a few, as I say, and they, they do take the shine off them. It does look tidy, though. It does look tidy. I must admit, you know, it's like, you know, we got there early the other year. One of my mates, his partner, was sitting in one of your suite, executive suites and that. So he gave us his car park thing. So we went in the car park to the side because you've got an arena at the back of the ground as well. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, the velodrome. Yeah. Or something, or is that somewhere public can use and stuff like that? Or? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, you've got the bars. If you would kind of walk around a bit, just you know, having just, you know, I mean, we were there early enough, sort of thing. There's a bar down the bottom where we parked, and it, and sim very similar to Bristol City, but like their ground is half decent, I think, as well. It's like yet again, it's it's got all the bars and the food stalls and everything within the complex, so the club are going to be making money off them as well rather than if you're out in the city centre. But I prefer the old grounds, to be fair. Yeah, no, I fully agree with you. Well, I, I know we can chat on for longer, but unfortunately we are running out of time. So it's 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 time to say uh, goodbye. Thank you very much, DJ, for joining us. All the best to QPR for the season. All the best to yourself, mate. And I'm sure we'll catch up soon. Thank you very much. Our thanks to DJ Ranger um, about the vlogcast of, or vlog, or whatever you want to call it, um, for QPR. Um, 
all the best to him and hopefully we'll catch up with him again later on. Um, before we go, guys, we've just got to touch on Cardiff and Bournemouth and what we, what we thought. And we'll start with Cardiff and we'll start with a first point on the board for Mr. Corey Hancock in score predictions. Um, yeah, who, who, who went for a 1-1. I also went for 1-1. So we're both on the board. Well, I'm on the board already. Yeah, to just um, burst the bubble like that. That's, that's mean. I know. I know, but it's 3-1. But it's um, kind of, in terms of the game, Corey, it was one of those that Derby never really looked in any sort of danger at all. Um, and then that one that one slight error from, from Wisdom. It looked like he lost his footing, to be perfectly honest with you. Thought he'd had a good game. Um, he'd kept them... It kept Cardiff quite quiet, um, and that you know that just one mistake. And I noticed that everybody on Twitter was like, "Oh, Ruse would have saved, it. Uh, not Ruse, uh, Marshall would have saved it, uh, would he?" I mean, don't get me wrong, the guys pulled off some incredible saves so far for us. But you know, you can get another another part of the fan base that just likes to likes to drag the negativity out. But um, I thought Derby did really well, and say if that's a top six uh, from last season, a top six side, and potentially another promotion challenging team this year um, then I think Derby's done well and obviously that's the same against Bournemouth but we'll go on to that in a little minute um, in terms of the goal Corey another fantastic free kick from Martin Wagon. he's obviously been practicing and why he's been out um, but again I suppose you know other than that was there a, a great deal to, to shout home about in, in terms of Derby's attacking prowess probably not really um, a few half chances still lacking. It does seem to be lacking that cutting edge up front. Yeah, you do. And again, you know, much better performance. And like you said, top six team potentially was last season. It sounds like from Ben and Nigel that it's going to be again this season. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, it, it's a positive result. Martin Waghorn's free kick, really good again. Again, no goals from open play. Still a little bit of a concern, but I'm sure they will come in time. Um, you know, and, and again, like you say, you can – you said this before, Jason, you can criticize individual mistakes across the field for every goal in the championship, you know, with the exception of maybe Zhao Pedro's goal, which was magnificent. But at the end of the day, people make mistakes. That's why they're at championship level. They make mistakes in life. They make mistakes at Premier League football. If you, if you look at a Premier League game, you can pretty much pick point that as well. So, you know, no problem with the goals. Goals happen. Those things happen. Criticizing, well, if this guy played, if this guy played, yeah, if Eusebio played for Derby, the results would be different too. But we don't have Eusebio. Just like Marshall was out, Roos was in. That's just the fact of life. You got to deal with it. And for me, again, it was another solid performance against another potentially top six team. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, we're still, match fitness is still a big thing. You know, these players have come back, which is great. But, you know, some, as we mentioned, you know, some of them haven't played in four months. You're not just gonna you're not just gonna get it straight straight away like that. Um, I must admit, I mean, to be honest with you, it's. I think I'd be hard pressed to actually say really what Wagon's brought to the table, other than his two free kicks so far. He, he's he's been you know he's been there, and he, but I don't think he's done anything fantastically out of the ordinary, you know that kind of thing. So again, it's just all about match sharpness and. Fingers crossed that comes, um, obviously, with the international break coming up. That's going to help. Um, and it's just about getting through to that international break, hopefully unbeaten, um, and picking up a couple of wins in, in the final two games. Um, obviously, moving it on to Bournemouth, um, it was a bit of a worry. I must admit, a bit of a worry for me, Bournemouth. Um, 
And to be fair, it probably wasn't until the last 25 minutes of the game where I saw the Bournemouth I was kind of expecting from minute one. Uh, but Derby started the game. Happened to find a stream of it, which was which was handy. Um, the first ten minutes, Bournemouth looked all over the place. Uh, to say you know they'd not dropped any points, I don't think they'd even conceded at home so far this season. Um, Derby really took them to the sword, to be honest. And obviously, again, another set piece routine drops kindly. That's one that looks on our side, I suppose, and it drops to the feet of Shinny. Uh, and again, chances to make it two, probably three nil. I thought we looked really really sharp in that first half and I think we looked sharp as well obviously without um, who was missing he wasn't playing on Saturday uh, Camille yes Camille of course um, Josviak that's it I couldn't remember his name um, you know without the forward directness of him so you know, if he'd have been on the pitch what would have happened but obviously that's that's all hearsay um, but again I thought I thought Derby looked pretty decent I don't particularly think Bournemouth necessarily challenged us so obviously one thing when we were speaking to Peter he did say that you know the number nine role Dominic Solanke and that kind of thing he'd got to they'd got to be firing I think you could see it Bournemouth did lack a little bit in that final and certainly in that number nine position but you know Dob again I think you know you should you should be able to look after Leeds wherever you play but obviously away from home, it's always going to be that little bit different, even without the fans, you know, in the times that we're in at the minute. So it's always going to be more difficult. You know Bournemouth are going to come out the second second half and, and try and push. And basically they just camped in Derby's half, didn't they, really, for, for 30 minutes. And it was, a, it was a matter of if rather than when it came. Uh, sorry, when rather than if it came. Um, but what I did see, you know, Derby struggled to get out. But they still did create chances and they still did, did have opportunities to score, which was good. One of the things I did think, and something I'm going to ask your opinion on in a minute, is, I mean, I was watching it and as I say, it come to about the 70th minute mark. And I was like, we, we can't get out of our own half. We need to change. We need to change the system. We've known, we know it's something that we can do without disrupting too much. You know, he was criticised against Cardiff for bringing on negative substitutions. He actually did different on Saturday. He brought on attacking forward players, but I actually thought he should have brought Kazim Richards on just as a focal point, somebody to hold the ball up, give give us a bit of a you know give us a bit of breathing space. And he, that change never came, uh, and ultimately they they scored. And uh, in all fairness, from that point, even only with ten minutes to go, you would actually say Derby did well to hang on, because um, you know other times you'd end up losing that game two one. So uh, you know, bit of credit for that. But I think the question that I want to obviously put to you as well as your thoughts on the Bournemouth game is, again, unfortunately, it's, it's another thing that negative fans have decided to call out Koku on now is, uh, and it's something I know we've mentioned in the past, but is, is game management for those last two games, have they been quite right? And I mean, my, for my two pence before you get before you put yours in is, this this team is lacking confidence. This team is lacking a lot. It's all good people. We should go for the second goal. We should go for the second goal. Yeah, we should. But the negativity you've got to—that's got to be a balance. Because if we then push too far and see and concede again and lose both of those games, the confidence is absolutely drained. So it's got—it's—it's it's quite a difficult balance at the moment. Balancing act, I think. I mean, of course, this is what I'm beating in four and beating in five, whatever it may well be. Let's get to this next international break. Fingers crossed with at least four points. That's what we'd, what we'd hope. 
at least for hopefully two wins and six, then the, the complete momentum shifts again. And then obviously you would then be looking at the, the restart after the international break for Derby to really, to really stamp their authority and, and, and push on up, up the league this season. But I think the next couple of games are probably key to whereabouts we're going to be. Are we going to be that yo-yo in, in confidence team if we don't pick up the results in the next two? Um, but I think sometimes you, you can probably push a little bit too hard for a result where actually you take it away. Maybe in the home games is a little bit different, but certainly away from Bournemouth. You know, you think to yourself, 75, 78 minutes, okay, you've led for, for an hour, but still, who would it necessarily, who would have thought at the beginning of that game we were going to come out with anything? I don't necessarily think you would have thought that. So actually the point away from home is fine to sit on, I get all that. But the point at home, yeah, okay, maybe maybe a little bit different. But still, it, it's we know it's small small steps with Derby this season. We know that that's what it's going to have to be. Um, and for me, I'd rather walk away with a point wishing we'd have won it rather than walking away with two defeats and hoping we'd have got a point. So, you know, that that's the half cup empty, half cup full kind of discussion. Yeah, I think for me, again, Jason, if this game is played um, four weeks ago, Darby lose that game. Um, I think mentally they're in a better place. I think defensively they're in a better place. They look a little bit more organized. And yes, they got a 1-1 draw with Bournemouth. Now Bournemouth are what, fourth in the table? just come down from the Premier League. Yes, they've lost some key players, but they still have a lot of talent in there. Um, and to be honest, I think it's a real solid point. And I think at the end of the season, um, you'll see it. I think fans will see it as a real solid point. Just like, you know, people said, oh, well, Reading, Reading, Reading at home, opening a match of the season, we should beat them. And six points, seven points, clear top of the league. So, mm. you know, Blackburn's up there as well. So these, these defeats, when you start looking at how the table's settling, don't look too bad uh, under a microscope. You know, and in terms of game management and things like that, like, um, you know, he's making the decisions. I saw against Cardiff, he switched his fullbacks and he brought more defensive fullbacks on than Byrne and, and, and Buchanan. And he did the same as well when he brought Wisdom on it at the weekend, a little bit more, a little bit more defensive uh, uh, solidity. And, and yeah, you, we can look back now and in hindsight because it's 2020 and say, well, you know, what about this? What about this? What about this? But I think maybe at the time he thought, you know, if I get defensive, if I make it defensively solid, then I can, um, you know, get a get a result here get a point here and unfortunately it just it just didn't work out it was just one of those days that it just didn't work out and you know i think for me um obviously shinny scored off the free kick but my question is waghorn scored two and two so why is he not taking the the free kick but again yeah. Rooney took it it fell to shinny and shinny put it in the back of the net so you know for me i think again it's a much much improved performance and i think it's a much you know, again, you're starting to see the green shoots start to come through, and I'm very confident that a few wins are not too far away um, when you look at the upcoming fixtures. Yeah, no, I agree with you. That the free kick point, that's that's quite true. I was fully expecting uh, Waggon to hit it. It was almost in the exact same spot as it was against Cardiff, so I'm, I'm quite surprised that, that he, he didn't. But of course, Captain Paul's rank. Um, maybe, maybe not next time. We'll see. But at the end of the day, it didn't cost us. It, it went in, um, and. Technically, if you want to call it technically, technically a goal from open play, something that we don't seem to be doing a great deal of. Um, but again, you know, as we said, chances have chances have been created in the games. Still not quite sure what that missing missing piece is at the minute. We, as we said, we all said we're waiting for those people to come back. I do think it's a case of match fitness um, as well. Um, and then you know, hopefully, I say I think after the international break, it's going to be. A, it's going to be a big period of games for Derby. Um, the, the back end of 
November, beginning of December. And of course, we'll, we'll be here to discuss those. Um, but yeah, I think you know, the next two, the, the fixture run now for the next five or six should be on paper. Of course, it's on paper. Should be a little bit more comfortable for Derby. Um, I think, as I say, I, I think you look after this. If, if we're sat still you know, lingering in the bottom three at the end of November, then obviously we, we've got something to worry about because then we've played some of the lesser, if you will, teams in the division. But I'd have to agree with you. The, the shoots are there um, to say that this is going to improve still and there are still things to improve on. Um, I'd have to say I'd, I'd like to mention that you know the defence, in my opinion, has looked pretty pretty solid. I know it's the way that we're setting up, and I get that. Um, but obviously, Byrne and Buchanan certainly. Have, have, Buchanan just, just seems to be uh, on a rich vein of form at the minute. I've really I've really enjoyed his performances over the last few weeks. Um, I think Nathan Byrne's championship experience, and that's what you get with championship experience. You get a seven out of ten every week. Uh, near enough, you know, um, which is great. Um, I think, you know, in terms of Bournemouth, I thought Jason Knight was a little quiet and, and I suppose the spark was slightly missing from Derby, obviously with Josviak out as well. But again, we're still, what now, nine nine games in, whatever it is, and we've probably still not put our solid first team out yet fully for more than 45 minutes or whatever it may well be. So obviously there's, there's that shining light there that to, to do that. Um, and hopefully that can, that can happen between now and the international break and see where we get. Um, and, you know, ju- just a bit more, bit more belief, a bit more um, game, ma- okay, game management, maybe, whatever it may well be, just, just to get that first result. It does feel like that that first that first result, that first second win of the season, first win for a while, might just open, you know, open those floodgates and, and breathe that confidence. And, and we saw it on, let's face it, six years ago under McLaren, that team was dead and buried. We'd only played ten games in the season, and look what he managed to do with that little bit of confidence. I was there for that Ipswich game where we was four one down and we played diabolical, and that second half was just, you know, that was incredible. Um, if if the players can just get that little bit of belief in themselves possibly it's probably what it is and obviously we've mentioned that the manager doesn't necessarily come across as a motivator but as professionals they should be they should be up for doing their job and as i say i think it's it's just a case of a few more few more performances together um and fingers crossed you know i know it's the same for every team Corey, but still you you probably looking what we had three week pre-season you would normally have Six to six to eight, maybe a little bit more in some in some respects. So you still, you know, you still four to five weeks. And I know they've all come out, and I know Koku said out, uh, come out and said, "Oh, you know, we put the work in. We did." Uh, you still, you can't put eight weeks worth of work into three weeks. It doesn't work that way. So you know, there are still you know little bits that they're working on and, and bits of fitness and and that kind of thing. I know it's the same for everybody, and I, and I do get all that. And obviously, as you mentioned, they're ready and have got off to an absolute flying start, but it could be at Christmas, reading it halfway down the table and they've not picked up any more points in the next, you know, in the next eight games. It's just how this league goes. So I just think, you know, keep, keep building, keep building. It's nice to not be talking about defeat after defeat after defeat. Um, one, obviously we haven't had for, for a few games now and, you know, probably the Huddersfield game aside, 
even you know the Watford game that we lost, it's a team who've come down who are expecting to be challenging at the right end of this league. So you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily too bad, and that's why I think, as I say, the next five six games where they are the teams that you would hope Derby can compete against um, and, and get the better of, that's then really where the league starts to show you. You know, that, that's Derby's position, and I think we'll find that we'll pick up a, a couple of wins in the next four or five. And we'll just start hovering up closer towards that mid-table, which, in all fairness, I think that's about where we are at the minute. I think we're about a mid-table side. So, but it's it's you know can't necessarily jump on them for being you know in negative in a negative negative vibe because I think they've they've done all right. They've certainly done. If you'd have looked at the last four games and gone, how many points we're going to get out of the next four? Uh, maybe one, two at a push. We've okay. We've not got that win, but we've you know we've competed, and I think that's that's probably the important thing. Um, and of course, one of the other things to talk about, not going to talk about it this pod, but uh, a mention to the next pod that we're going to release is obviously the takeover news that miraculously appeared over the weekend. Um, we've 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 been doing some, or Corey rather, should I say, has been doing some. Um, been looking into that, um, and we're going to have something on that in the next podcast. So I'm going to I'm going to put that stop there. We've also got two blogs about it out on our website as well. So <laughs> those who are interested, um, I penned a piece, and our guest blogger Elliot wrote a piece as well. So plenty to read, and like you say, Jason, there'll be a nice, interesting segment in the upcoming uh, Barnsley Preview podcast about um, some insights onto the. Benzad group, BZG. That's really hard B- to say. Benzad, yeah. Ben-Zad. Yeah, and so, and then yeah. we're also going to have, we'll also have another blog out about it imminently as well, um, from somebody else who who knows their stuff as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. I think for me, the season is a marathon, not a sprint, and you want to be playing your best football. I mean, look, Billy Davis once said it's the men and the boys time, right? January, February time frame. So if you can if you can compete and stay in the conversation, and you know, not be cast adrift at the bottom if you can stay competitive to a degree you can make the room up i mean look at aston villa two or three years ago and look at derby last season so you know it's it's a long season the gum, the games come thick and fast and they're but each one of them is an opportunity to get better and each one's an opportunity for three points so yeah you know I, i'm very confident that the you know maybe a couple signings coming in january boost the team a little bit more like rooney did and you know the green shoots are there to, to build on so it's 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 confident times for me uh, cautiously optimistic as well with the takeover yeah, absolutely. Uh, I suppose the other small things to mention, uh, it was great to see Christian Bielik back in, in the squad on Saturday. Um, okay, he didn't get the minutes, but you know, it was great, great to see him. I know he played for the under-23s uh, last night um, and asserted Mr. Jordan, I didn't. I wonder if that's a nod to seeing him on the bench at all against, against QPR on Wednesday, but obviously we'll have to wait and see about that. Um, but yeah, great to see Christian back. Um, you you would hope, not quite sure where he's going to fit in into this side at this quite moment in time. I'm not really sure. Uh, probably at centre-half, I would have thought. It'd be unfortunate for any of them really to lose the position, but I, I, I've got a feeling that's probably where he's going to he'll slot in eventually. Um, but great to see him integrated back into the matchday squad. It'd be great to see him. Um, obviously, can't expect too much from him at the minute. He's... You know, he's played one under twenty or two under twenty three games in a year, so you know, you, you give him his due. But great to see him back out there, um, and, and a player. If we can see the best of him, what we hope we, we is his best. Um, a player that we've probably missed, and one that's going to, as you say, help us 
um, push forward, and obviously with Jordan, I'm still to still to come in as well. Uh, fingers crossed, you know, just a bit more attacking potency up there um, before, as you say, January. Who knows? Still think we're probably a, sh- a striker short. Um, in all fairness, so you know, if we can add to that, that'd be great. Um, one other thing, one other thing, I, I don't know if you saw Corey. Um, it was obviously after the the weekend. Uh, I think I can't remember who it was now. I saw it on Twitter. Um, Sheffield Wednesday fans talking about Jack Marriott. Um, I mean, for all the Derby fans, and I was one of them that wanted to keep Jack Marriott around. Um, he's taken Sheffield Wednesday three games to realise that he's not good enough at this level. Um, and basically, they, they can't wait to send him back. So, you know, that's that's unfortunate for him. Um, but may, maybe, just maybe, 10,000 Derby fans weren't wrong when they said that Jack Marriott shouldn't be at Derby anymore. Um, maybe he was hanging on, hanging on to the... Um, to the memories a little bit to, from, to the from two bun? years ago. Yeah, but to the man bun, yes. Um, maybe. Because I know but, you love um, a player with a man bun. I do, I do. I thought that's where his magic was, to be honest. And when he cut it off, I wasn't happy. But obviously not the case. There's, there's clearly something a little bit more deep-lined with Jack at the moment. But um be interesting to uh, to see how he progresses over the next few few months there. But don't hold any hope of him of him coming back in January. Um, certainly fit and firing, let's put it that way, from from what I read. Um, other than that, Corey, I think that's about it. Unless there's any other business from yourself, I can't think of anything. No, we've also just released a Warren Barton episode as well, uh, where we sat down with the Derby captain. So that was a special like bonus pod or whatever, um, mm. because we wanted to get over the doldrums that had been the Bournemouth Reserve, not the doldrums, but, you know, I guess celebrate slash get rid of the cobwebs ahead of the international break, sit down with a, England international and former Derby captain. So that's available as well. And we've got some blogs coming out on our website and everything like that. And we're just really appreciative of the support. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose the one of the mention that we didn't mention was um, of course our first appearance on BBC sports scene, which was, which was great fun, as you well know. Um, I loved it. I know you loved it and fingers crossed that we um, get a few more of those opportunities. It was, it was a good hour chat. It was, it was, a, it was fantastic. A lot of fun and really appreciative of them for, allowing us on and hopefully we can come on again absolutely well that's it guys we've raffled on for long enough we'll see you in the next Barnsley preview until then Rams fans take care and up the Rams thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Rams Review podcast please remember to get in touch on the socials on Twitter we are at Rams Review 1 our Facebook is Rams Review Podcast or you could drop us an email ramsreview at hotmail.com Until next time, thank you very much and up the Rams.